Hey, what's up, Stay Tuners? It's your good friend Jimbo here, letting you know that today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. I recently joined as a member, and you can too. Apply today and let them know that you heard it from Stay Tuned Sports and you start earning today. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Now here's the best Stay Tuned Sports Podcast. And hello there, all you Stay Tuners. Welcome back to another episode of Stay Tuned Sports. It's your good friend Jimbo here, back a little bit later in the week than normal, but um, had some technical difficulties with uh, with my recording stuff, but we're here. So um, head over to staytunesports.net, all our social media um, accounts are over there, plus our merch tab and any other old podcast that maybe you missed or, or whatnot um, that you want to listen to is on there as well. But um, lots of uh, lots of NFL talk from last weekend. A lot of injuries. I mean, talk about 2020 all in a nutshell. A lot of um, and, and big names too. That's that's the thing. I mean, players are gonna get hurt and everything, but a lot of key players to each team going down with some serious injuries plus a little bit of a uh, non-Stanley Cup finals news Gary Bettman talking about next season already as well as you know we're going to touch on a little bit of Notre Dame last week and they were supposed to play week four tomorrow but has been postponed because a couple of the Notre Dame players have tested positive for COVID I did see USF um, suspended some of their football practice stuff because of them playing um, Notre Dame last weekend. So we'll, we'll touch that game a little bit. Um, th- you know, UFC fight night was last weekend. Kobe Covington versus T. Wood. Really, I mean, the fights were, were, were good. Were okay. But really, there's three questions coming out of that fight card that I think need to be answered in the coming days, weeks. And, um, you know, we're going to finish up the the show with with our blue picks for Sunday, and since there is another UFC card, we're gonna kind of combine them. So we're gonna kind of have like NFL and UFC picks together. So kicking off the show, like I said, Gary Bettman came out and wanted to talk a little bit about when next season could start. Are the fans gonna be allowed there? All these questions that have been being asked for a few weeks now. For next season, and he Gary Bettman did come out as far as the start of the season. When would it start? He said he would not be surprised if the 2021 season slips into late December or even early next year. Um, now, obviously, the normal season usually starts around what October or uh, yeah, like late October, early November. Um, and with everything going on, that's obviously. Not ideal because you got the Stanley Cup playoffs going now, and you really can't give these players only a month and a half off 
to recuperate. You know, you gotta give him at least two, three months. And that's why, you know, I, I think he's gonna be favoring more the late or er, er, the early next year, January date for a season to start. Yes, you know, it, it may seem like things are getting better slowly. But as far as this goes, and we see it, you know, I touched on a little bit just a couple seconds ago, seconds ago about college football. If you're not too careful with this, it could be a relapse. So if you bring fans in to these arenas too early, full arenas, let's say it that way, it could be catastrophic. You could be back to square one of what happened back in March and have the season put on hold, all that stuff. I think it would be smart to start in January and even for the next two, maybe three years, kind of stagger the start dates for the season until it gets back into normal timing of the, the, the start of the season. I would not be surprised if that happens. You know, I know he's basically going day by day, week by week. And he's not thinking about the 21-22 season or 22-23 season. But I think that's that's what's going to happen. He did he did say, though, he does think an 82-game season will happen, but doesn't really want to speculate too much on it. Um, one idea that got floated out there about how they could possibly do it is a short-term realignment of the league, which basically all the Canadian teams would be in one conference. They would still have... In a way, a bubble, two bubble cities, like they did with the playoffs. And this idea actually has garnered some traction. Not including the fans in these games, but if you did want to do an 82 game season, I think that would be your best bet is do a, a two bubble city locations for at least the regular season. By the time the regular season gets done, if COVID's gone, if it's back under control, then maybe you could go back to, you know, playing in each city and allowing, you know, fans to, to be there. Not sure how easy the realignment would be if, if they were to do, you know, all Canadian teams in one conference, all American teams in, in the other conference. But definitely does sound like there will be 82 games. Now, he did also say the whole expanding the, the playoffs teams is not going to happen. You know, he only did, they only wanted to do it this year because they felt they had to give the bubble teams a chance. And it worked. I mean, you know, Montreal Canadiens beat the Penguins to make it into the playoffs where the Canadians were one of the bubble teams. And I agree with them. I, I I understand why they did it, but I don't like the idea going forward. I think they should go back to the the normal playoff seating. Um, and I, I think it's going to have to take a lot to convince Gary Bettman to expand the playoffs or to make a, some type of suggestion to add a couple teams. Now, touching on the fans a little bit, Bettman said, he goes, you know, he's, he's been asking people, you know, higher ups, probably even with the governments, 
when are the borders going to be able to be open and this is why they're thinking about doing all canadian team teams would play in one conference that way they could stay up there and all american teams stay down below uh but he said no one's giving him a definitive answer and i mean let's be honest living day by day we still are living it day by day no one really knows what the future is holding yet it's not still a fluid situation so i think it's wise to like i said to take our time here and slowly bring back the fans in now if they're worried about loss of sales and stuff like that because he did say a majority of the money that comes into these teams are from the fans the ticket sales what i think they should look into doing and maybe end up doing is what baseball is doing and i'm not sure if any other nfl teams are doing it but the eagles are doing it sell cardboard cutouts if you know instead of just having your um your cardboard just sitting there maybe have you holding up a sign like you know drew we love you or what whatever you know i think they would sell and that would help a little bit with the money i mean obviously they're not going to sell eight thousand of them or however many um seats are in each arena but maybe it'll, it'll soften the the blow a little bit and i could see some parents doing that for their, their kids i mean kids enjoy seeing themselves up on the, the jumbotron so what's the next big thing seeing yourself on tv now he he also did touch on will if they do start later as far as like january or february will it affect the expansion team the seattle krakens krakens sorry he said absolutely nice they're definitely gonna start next season um building is going good he said everything is basically going as planned even with the whole COVID thing going on so it sounds like you know next season we're gonna have the new team playing and you know i can't wait i i, I kind of like their logos i kind of like the name even the jerseys the the, the sweaters I, I may even buy one because I, I like the i think it was the the away one i liked so definitely i mean obviously with my flyers out of it i'm already looking forward to it everybody's talking about free agency which is in a couple weeks i could see you know the latest rumor was nolan patrick may be on the trading block or in trading discussions gossip spare third year in a row is in the the trading speculation but flyers definitely have some holes that need to be filled i, I think defensively we, we we need to work a little bit better need some scores at least one really good score um sean couturier was a little disappointed with the the playoffs with them just disappeared you know drew Vorchek was decent i mean didn't really score the goals but he was always involved with assist or turnovers or, or something like that but our defensive players definitely gave a couple of those games away with the uh, uh, sloppy play that they they put across and and what better way to help Carter Hart is getting better defensive players. 
But so that is all the hockey talk. And like, so moving on to college football, big news. Um, Pac-12 is going to play a seven-game season this coming season. I believe it said November, so I'm assuming probably early November they will be playing. And this brings back the question. And the other thing too I saw was the NCAA is putting out there that there's not going to be a win total requirement to be bowl eligible. That is stupid. You could literally have a 0 and 12 or 0 and 8, 0 and 7, whichever team is from whichever conference, make a bowl game. There has to they 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 have to put some type of win requirement on there. And like I've been saying for the past couple weeks, even a championship national team, national championship team, how much are you gonna really believe they were the best team? Because let's just say Penn State, who's gonna be playing an eight-game schedule, wins the national title over Notre Dame or um, any ACC team, let's just say ACC for now, that played a full 12-game schedule. It's just not fair. And these conferences, I understand the kids want to play and kudos for them for fighting to get their play, but they should not be eligible to play in a national title uh, game. That should fall on the presidents of their conferences that made the original decision to shut down their seasons because the only reason why they changed their decision is because of all the backlash they got if Notre Dame held out or all the other schools that started on time held out they would have never changed their mind they would have still sat there with the the season being postponed or canceled, however you want to word it. But speaking of Notre Dame, like I said last week, 52 to nothing over USF. Kind of knew that was going to happen. I actually put a bet on the over, which took a little longer than I expected because uh, my thinking going into it, and I texted my dad about it, was Notre Dame put up 27, I believe it was, against Duke, which, yeah, you know, Duke's not Alabama or Clemson or the top tier schools, but they're not a bad school. Still put 27 up. Notre Dame's defense was terrible against Duke. So when I looked at USF, okay, Grant, they played the Citadel. They put up 20. My thinking was our defense was as bad as Citadel, if not worse. So they should easily put 15 to 20 up. Notre Dame should put more points up against U, U, uh, USF because they're a worse team than Duke. So I'm thinking, yeah, easily 55 points. Over-under was 48 and a half. So I took the over. First quarter was like 21 nothing. I'm like, well, shit, man. We're already halfway there. Two minutes left in the game. Finally scored a touchdown. So I was happy that went through. And Ian Book looked a lot better. But the one thing I hope Tommy Reese, our offense coordinator, sees and Coach Kelly sees is we have a running game. We can't run this offense through Ian Book. We got to run this offense through the running game. We got four 
stud running backs that again I, I understand it's USF but they just ran all over them and so I'm, I'm curious to see and you know like I said they were supposed to play Wake Forest which Wake Forest usually gives us a little bit of a tough time they were supposed to play tomorrow but that's postponed they are looking at the October 3rd date because they both have that day off um, so that's probably what's going to be looking at so I'm going to be curious to see how our running game does and how it affects Ian Book you know take a little bit of that pressure off of him and he's not a bad quarterback but one story that I do I, I, I was, I was kind of happy and glad to see was our third string linebacker Jack Kaiser um, coming out of that game I mean going into it he wasn't even expected to play go, going into that week the, our starting linebacker he was he was banged up so they were already figuring the second string guy was going to start for some reason he was unfit to play and Jack Kaiser was pushed into the starlight it was like a 2020 Rudy show because every other play on defense he was either making a tackle or was right there involved he had, I think he ended up with like 10 solo tackles and he's a sophomore that's the thing that made me happy was we have a future starting linebacker when our first and second string guys leave for the NFL or graduate so it's nice to see I just hope he doesn't jump into the transfer portal and go to Alabama and turn out to be like LeVon Kirkland or, or James Harrison type linebackers so no Notre Dame game this week Oops, shit uh, hopefully there will be one next week against Wake Forest once I find out I'll, I'll, I'll be tweeting that out on, on Twitter which you can find us at ST Sports Podcast um, rankings came out you know I didn't look at the rankings last week but looked at it this week nothing really changed so really probably not gonna talk about my opinions about the rankings until about the fourth week because I always felt Rankings should not come out until the fourth week because that's when you start to really see who's your contenders and who's your pretenders. So I'll still keep an eye on it. I mean, Notre Dame, I don't believe moved up. They stayed at seven after that USF win. Um, yeah. So uh, I had a UFC fight card this past week. It was an all right card. Um, one really nasty knockout. One draw, majority draw, and what happened to Tyrone Woodley, former champion, as he passed his prime? So let's let's touch on that one real quick. Watching that fight, Tyrone Woodley versus Kobe Covington. Build up to it was a lot of bad blood between the two, um, former teammates, and then something happened behind the scenes. Coaches not being paid, things like that. Fight was stopped because. Tyrone Woodley uh, self-tapped out because he uh, had a rib injury. But it was all Kobe Covington. Covington was doing whatever he wanted at will. And it begs the question, what's next for Tyrone Woodley? You know, he's on three straight losses now with Covington, Usman. I mean, Usman... Honestly, Usman's fight against Woodley was embarrassing to watch Woodley just get 
mauled and destroyed like that this fight was i think even worse than the uzman loss that's how bad it was a lot of people are talking about retirement i don't i don't think he needs to retire he did come out and say he's not retiring he's not changing teams but maybe a different weight division maybe try to move up to a new weight class you know um maybe like a fresh start in a new division i mean you think about when cowboy was kind of like on you know a couple years ago kind of on this losing streak he switched divisions and he was one fight away from fighting for the belt and then fought tony ferguson so maybe you know that might be something he want might want to do i think he's gonna take some time off to really think about it and i think that would be a smart move because where does he go from here now you know i saw someone say um possibly putting him against hamzat uh jimmy ive who also fought that night i'll touch on in a second but he'll just run right through woodley i mean we saw there was no he's not letting that his punches go anymore his power punches he's just trying to walk people down and he's known for that power punch yeah he's a, a good good wrestler but he that's what made his money was that knockout power and he just doesn't want to throw it no more so in my opinion i, I really think he should move up to a, a the new division and he, he's not I don't, unless he loses another fight then maybe you start talking about um talking about retiring touched on cowboy cowboy fought nico price now it's been a while since we've seen a cowboy war and this was a hell of a war between both these guys unfortunately if you really think about it cowboy lost the fight because nico price was deducted a point in the first round for eye pokes and it became a majority draw which obviously would would have been nico's win cowboy was upset nico was happy which i don't know i don't, i think it would be the opposite i think cowboy would, should have been happy because he would have lost it and nico should have been upset because he would have won it but where do, again where does cowboy go on from here now dana white did say he's gonna have a, a long talk with them i don't know if i mean he's right there he's right there with the r word but after watching that fight with nico price and they both agreed they they'd be okay with running it back maybe run it back if we see that same type of fight with cowboy maybe he still has a little bit of left in that gas tank but if we see that fighter that fought Connor or any other ones that he, he lost to, like Tony was picking him apart, maybe it's time for him to hang it up. I did see someone post on Twitter, you know, how well well would he do in bare knuckle? I don't think bare knuckle is the place for him. So I, I actually would like to see them run that back, get a clear defined winner out of that fight because it was a hell of a fight though and then the, the honestly i think probably the star of the night was hamzat chimiaif um 
one punch knockout and you know when you slow down to replay and watch it i mean he was accurate as hell right on the button and this was no pushover either so when i did my my show notes you know i, was, I put down what's next for him well we already have our answer he is going to be headlining a fight night fight against a ranked opponent which he's been asking for five round fight the opponent hasn't been um, announced yet now Damian Maya was thrown around about his name was thrown around a little while there about being his next opponent until this fight happened and I agree with a lot of people on Twitter if they put Maya in there he's just gonna get mauled he's not on the same level I don't think and I don't think Hamzat is a Sean O'Malley or um, any other other of these Johnny you know Johnny Walker, other ones that had their hype train kind of derailed for a little bit. I think this this kid may be the real deal. So, I mean, he, he can't get a top five. You know, I, I think if you give him a top ten and he destroys them or even just beats them, then you gotta give him a top five and then go from there. But we got our answer with him. And it should be interesting who they they pair up with him. Moving on to NFL 2020. Injuries. Jesus Christ. Obviously don't have enough time to go through the whole list that got hurt this past week. But the big names that really stuck out to me. Nick Bosa from San Fran. Blew his ACL, ACL out. Shaquan Bar- Barkley. Blew his ACL out. Drew Locke. Denver Broncos quarterback who was supposed to take like the next step. He was even going into this season being talked up that he may be the next Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson that takes that next step to be the NFL MVP. He sprained his AC joint is out four to six weeks, I believe I saw. Um, and his wide receiver, Cortland Sutton, who uh, he tore his ACL too, but he was supposed to help that receiving core open up a little bit better for him uh, but the Drew Locke thing I, I think is big they signed Blake Bortles to come in you know one year contract to to fill in while Drew Locke's out but being out for that four to six weeks and you know when you come back in you're probably going to be rusty for a week or two so you lost a half a season a season that you were supposed to take a big leap into your quarterback career and then Sutton with that loss really hurts those receivers for when lock comes back as well the biggest one though between all, all four of these guys Squam Barkley I mean I like the kid you know even though I'm an Eagles fan he always strikes me as the old Barry Sanders scores a touchdown doesn't like I always say I'm okay with some dancing but some of it is over the top Scores a touchdown and hands the ball to the ref. Doesn't get in trouble outside or causing drama, drama for his team. This loss, I think, sets back not only him with his contract, because he was up for uh, uh, contract negotiations after the season, but sets Daniel Jones back, I think, a year. Because now, who do the Giants have that's going to take that pressure off Daniel Jones? Now you don't have to worry about putting 
eight, nine in a box to stop Barkley. Now you can just sit back and, and pick Daniel Jones apart. And I was one of the, the few that actually liked the, the Daniel Jones pick for the Giants as a football fan. As an Eagles fan, well, I'll touch on my Eagles in a second here, but um, this is really going to set Daniel Jones back. And like I said, Barkley too. The, the interesting thing about Barkley too is he was never injured at Penn State or seriously injured at Penn State. Comes to the Giants, each year he's missed games. Hopefully this isn't like a indication of what his future will hold because and ACL injuries are very, very tough to come back from. Adrian Peterson, honestly, in my opinion, was the only running back ever to come back full strength after an ACL tear. You tear your ACL, you're out that year, takes you another full year to really get back into it and trust that, you know, trust that knee and hope that you don't blow out the other knee because you're favoring the other knee, the other leg. So hopefully he could bounce back and make that team a little bit more competitive than the Washington team and get up there and compete with the, the Dallas Cowboys team. The Atlanta Falcons. Oh my God. Pretty sure you guys have seen this by now. Blew another big lead. They were up 39-30 with two minutes left. They had a 99.9% chance of winning with two minutes left. And how did they lose? By an onside kick standing around it while it's rolling. I am sorry. They are the stupidest players. I saw one, one fan say if I was Matt Ryan, I'd walk up to the special teams coach on the plane and tell him, you gotta go sit back and coach. I said to our, our good buddy King, if I'm Arthur Blank, I'm suspending all those special teams players for actions detrimental to the team, excuse me, to the team. It was, I mean, Jesus, peewee football players know when there's an onside kick, you jump on that ball. The kicking team is the one that has to wait for it to go 10 yards. You could jump on it a yard from that, from where they kick it. And they just stood around and Dallas swooped in, picked it up, kicked the game with a field goal, just debacle. It's just just terrible. Luckily for us Eagles fans, we aren't the worst team out there because that right there just shows how, how bad of a team that is. Philly got beat by the, the Rams this, this past weekend and never really was in it. You know, there was maybe a five-minute run there that went start to come back and get his, hit the offense going and then he threw into double coverage and picked off on the goal line I know he'd been defending Wentz to an extent this whole time he needs to pull back the aggressiveness I know you know one of the, the beat writers for Philly posted a picture and it said this is um, the, the, it was a picture of the play and it said, here is the picture just as the ball was released. And there was one corner on 
Jajah while the other safety was coming over. Yes, at that time it wasn't you know, complete double coverage, but the other corner was close enough to Ortega Whiteside to say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do that. Throw the ball away and, and live another day. And that's his problem. For some reason, he just doesn't want to throw the ball away. He'd rather take sacks. He'd rather scramble around and lose more yards. And that I also put on Peterson like I did last week. Wentz's strengths are rolling out, are scrambling. He's not a pocket passer. We're back to Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb. And the two things that they both have in common now, McNabb and Wentz, is they both have ACL injuries and never were the same after it. And I'm afraid we're Wentz is McNabb 2.0. And for all the fans saying, oh, put Jalen Hurts in it. Jalen Hurts is going to do worse than what Wentz is doing now because he doesn't have receivers. He's a rookie behind a makeshift offensive line. Yes, they didn't give up a sack this week. And yes, they held Aaron Donald. But that's not going to be every week. It's going to be a struggle all year. Defensively, Jim Swartz. Oh, I got to make a better game plan. Well, why don't you make adjustments at halftime? You, you, One guy was destroying us. Why not switch your game plan up to shut that guy down? Jim Swartz is getting to the point with me too that he needs to go. Howie Roseman, I think, needs to go. But here's the thing is, if, if we're going to fire everybody, unfortunately, I forget where I saw this, but someone made a good point. It's going to be Peterson. Because Howie Roseman is glued to Jeffrey Lurie. They're, they're, they're very, very tight. It's going to be very hard to fire him. Granted, he sucks at drafting. But he's very good at the, the cap. And we'll see next year. Carson Wentz. Ain't going nowhere. If they were to release or trade him right now. Next year, $33 million of dead money. That is a huge hit. For a cap that may not go up. And if it does go up, it's going to go up very little. Which only leaves Doug Peterson. And I said this in the very beginning of the season. The fact that he didn't hire an offense coordinator and he's going to be the offense coordinator is going to be his downfall. The only way I think this changes is he names Deuce, offense, offensive coordinator. I said, you know, it may, and I may be wrong, you know, who knows, but I've said Deuce deserves the offensive coordinator job for the past three years and they just will not give it to him for some reason. I don't know who he pissed off in that front office, but they will not give it to him. They got the Bengals this week, and I'll tell you this. If they lose to the Bengals, shit is going to hit the fan. Someone will be fired, whether it's players, Jim Schwartz gets fired, somebody's going to be getting fired. I hope we don't lose, because Joe Burrow, rookie quarterback, our defense, we finally got some, some corners that could play. Now our defense flying can't get pressure on the guys. It's like, come on, guys. You got Fletcher Cox. You got so much money tied up in that front line. You can't get any, any sacks. Got to get sacks, guys. 
So before we go, like I said, we have our, our weekly blue picks. And here is your blue picks of the week, brought to you by Skunk Duck Studios, the best ducking designs on the web. So, yeah, like I said, we got our, our blue picks, our blowout, lock, and upset picks this week. Um, presented to you by Skunk Duck Studios. You can find them over on Twitter. So, starting off our blowout pick for this week, I have the Colts over the Jets. Colts are favored by 10 and a half. Now, a, a blowout, like I, like we said, is nine points or more. Um, Jets are just terrible. Let's let's just put it that way. I, I saw someone post, basically the best way to explain their game plan last week was to minimum, minimize the mistakes that they, they would normally make. That's not a good game plan. You should be game planning against the team you're playing, not for yourself. Not sure how much... The Colts are going to win by. I I could even see a a 15 or a 20 spot lead by the time this game is over. So my Colts are going to be my blowout pick. My lock is Tampa over Denver. Tampa is favored by six, but again with Blake Bortles back there, Drew Lock out, number one receiver being hurt, a couple of the other receivers being hurt, it's going to be tough to keep up with Tom Brady who showed up last week compared to week one so I got Tampa Bay over Denver then my upset of the week is the Bengals Bengals are looking for the first win they're an underdog by six points and until the Eagles can show me a little bit of hope I'm not expecting much from us this year. I'm the way they're playing. We're going to be a below 500 team at best, and that's why I'm picking the Bengals to win with my upset pick. Keeping with the keeping with the picks, I'm not sure if it's necessarily going to be our blue picks, but UFC 253 is this Saturday tomorrow night. Israel Adonisay versus Paulo Costa for the middleweight title. Then we have Dominic Reyes versus Jean Blockowitz for the light heavyweight championship. Flyweight fight between Kai Kara France versus Brandon Rovell. Women's bantamweight, Ketlin Vieira versus Sihara Eubanks. And then featherweight kicking it off, featherweight division, Hakim Dawudu versus Zubaru Tukovgov. Now, this one sounds like it's going to be a catchweight because Zabarai. Um, came in heavy. If Hakeem could get to late second, early third round, maybe maybe he could gas him out because of that extra weight. Wasn't planning on it. So I'm going to go with Hakeem for that win. Then the women's bantamweight fight after them is Ketlin Vieira versus uh, Eubanks. I saw Eubanks fight a couple times. I think she is a potential 
contender with another fight or two uh, and wins them. So I'm going Eubanks there. Then after that, we have Kai Kara France versus Brandon Rovale. Seeing a couple of clips of Brandon. Go with him. Uh, very powerful. I think he could knock him out. And then the co-main event, Dominic Reyes versus John Blackowitz. A lot of people, including myself, think Dominic Reyes should be the champ right now over John Jones. Um, John was trying to set up to fight John Jones before he went to heavyweight in that whole fiasco with Dana White in you know over the Twitter beef. But Dominic Reyes, I think, is gonna pull us out. I think he's gonna John's gonna try to stand on his feet and, and box, which is gonna be a bad idea. So Dominic Reyes. By knockout, I'm actually going to go with. Then a middleweight championship, Israel Adonase versus Paulo Costa. I don't like Paulo Costa. I'm a little okay with Israel. I, I, I'm kind of like Dana White. I could do without his exotic entrances. Um, but I just think he's a very talented kid. I think he's more talented than Paulo Costa. I don't think Costa has the gas tank. Especially for five rounds. So I'm going with with uh, Israel there with the champ for the win I think it goes to a decision and I think that's going to be it for this week um, like I said sorry guys that you know the show came out a little bit later than normal but definitely next week we'll be back on schedule Thursday morning at 7 Eastern time um, head over to staytunesports.net to listen to any old podcast episodes or our social media accounts our merch link is there till next week this is your good friend jimbo signing out